Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saints to understand how we might successfully navigate this very challenging life that we all live in. And it's getting more challenging. I was uh, Normally, I don't like to reference the day and time of when we do a show because then it affects it. But today is the that we're recording this, though it's not the day that many people will hear it, although live streamers will hear it today. It's the feast of uh, St. Benedicta. St. St. Teresa. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Did yeah. I get it right? Yeah. And I was reading her, uh, a reflection of hers from the Carmelite Propers, which is a, what Carmelite religious use for their Liturgy of the Hours reading. And I was just blown away. She just is talking about the world being on fire, you know? Yeah, I think the world's on fire now. Well, as I read it, I was just thinking, wow, you know, I mean, we can't, we have to be careful to properly honor the great tragedy of the Holocaust in its epic proportions, and we're not there. But many of the same factors are alive in the world today that were al- that led to the uh, the slaughter of millions and uh, Marxism on the rise, socialism on the rise, a lot of that. And so we'll, we'll lift up this show uh, to and ask for her prayers for us as we help the faithful really navigate what happens in these difficult times as well is in difficult times god tends to speak through saints and through prophets if you will to lead his people is, is that am i going too far there father mcdonald no you're you're absolutely right and often these voices and these manifestations come from the unlikeliest of places and sources and it's important to have a healthy receptivity and a real and a proper guarded openness towards these things happening. Well, Father McDonald, the one you just saw on stream and heard is uh, been with us since the beginning of the show. So you want to pick up his bio and hear the previous shows because this is a series. You can head out to spiritualdirection.com and 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 uh, all the shows eventually be posted out there. So when we're in times like this and prophets emerge and I'll put prophets in quotes, they have to be tested by the church and the church has norms that we're, that we can test them by. And there's a lot of, I would say more false than true in my experience uh, in our time in particular, I'm sure it was the same in the past. I think of the, um, the Alambrados and the uh, crazy folks who were popping up around the time of St. Teresa of Avila, but uh, Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, this is sort of a celebration, this reflection is a celebration on his new, well, republished book, Visions and Revelations, for which Father McDonald wrote the, the foreword by Sophia Institute Press. It's an important book. You ought to pick it up. But we're going to pick up where we left off last time, Father, and talk about positive criteria for the assessment of visions and revelations. There's a lot of them, but what is is does one come to mind that's the most important? With positive criteria, and this is from the CDF document, the norms for discerning alleged private relations, there needs to be a certain balance within the person and also a connection to revelation and a certain 
particular certitude that yes, this happened, not just because I feel it, but a certain persistence, clarity of message, clarity of thought, and it being tested by the pastors of the church. The positive criteria assess the quality of the life of the of the person giving the message, right? So it means so so we're looking at, you know, not complex things. How do they how are they oriented to the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. So how yeah. are they or are they or, or, oriented to the sacraments? Do they obey the precepts of the church? Do they um, how do they engage with people around them? Do they have a healthy prayer life? Uh, so in the in the case of of a modern revelation, some of them are easy to easy to vet because people are speaking things against the magisterium, and and that just is never going to be of the Holy Spirit. But the harder things to vet, though, are the private life of the person is. Is the church in this case, um, can they uh, violate internal forum or the private conversations or things like that to assess folks like this? No, internal forum always must be upheld in an investigation Mm -hmm. such as this. Right. But just general impressions from the spiritual director, from witnesses, from the subjects who received the message themselves, just making sure that, all right, they're balanced. They, they are living a life of virtue. They're not engaging in anything to defect or excess in regards to devotion or mortifications or penance. They're obedient to authority. You know, they, they have a holy obedience. They're not just, this is what I'm doing. And you have to do it because God is telling me. Um, and their mess, the message of the revelations is consistent with the teachings of the church found in scripture and tradition and taught by the magisterium. One of the main criteria, the positive criteria, would be humbleness, right? So when you think about somebody says, oh, I heard God say, or I saw X, Y, Z, and then you ask them questions about it, or or the ecclesial authorities ask questions about it, if they push back, they get prideful, argumentative, that would be a clear sign that there's something off, there's something wrong. Yes, absolutely. And if you look at the life of somebody like Padre Pio, receive the stigmata or other saints who receive visions and mystical phenomenon something that is a distinguishing mark about all of them is that humility you just spoke about and they don't flaunt it but because of their holiness of life eventually those things come out not in look at me i'm so holy but because god they're manifesting jesus christ by their faith by their hope by their charity now, this doesn't mean the person is perfect. This is a something a lot of people get wrong about the saints. The, the saints' lives aren't perfect, and that's not what makes them saints, but it's a predominant disposition, right? And I, one thing, like with the example that Stephanie mentioned, which is a great one, one of the things that makes that easy is he's surrounded by people all day, every day in religious life. I, I'd imagine then that... Um, that this sort of thing, as it emerged out of religious life, would be easier to assess. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, so then, if it's not done in religious life, so it's a lay person, let's say, or or it's a superior. One of the things about Padre Pio that made it, I think, a little bit easier. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert in his life. Is you know he he always was under a superior. I don't recall him ever being a superior. 
Was he ever in that kind of role in his community? I don't believe so. He uh, he faced immense persecution. Yeah. And there were times he was not able to say mass privately. The same thing with a uh, contemporary of uh, St. Padre Pio, the servant of God, uh, Dondolindo Ruotolo, who was also a mystic, uh, who wrote the Surrender Novena. Yeah. So this is interesting that you bring this up because it actually fits with what we're talking about on positive criteria. So is it is it common for the church to issue an, a suppression order to test the uh, the obedience of the person in question? Is that is that a is that a common tactic? It could be not always. It depends mm -hmm. on the events that happen. Sometimes the events have a certain clarity and ring to it, a predominance of grace where the church is like, wow, we got to take this seriously. But sometimes um, there is some testing. Even the children of um, the, the Fatima visionaries, St. Francisco and Jacinta Marto, and the servant of God, Sister Lucia de los Santos experienced this, as well as St. Bernadette Subaru after she, re she received uh, the apparitions are lady at Lourdes. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I wonder, because these revelations come or visions come, and then it can create a stir, right? There, There's people getting excited. Um, they're becoming more fervent. Or then, of course, we need to understand that wherever there's great light or wherever there's great darkness, there's great light and vice versa, that it'll also create a stir among, it would seem, uh, the demonic forces to try to suppress it, would it not? And doesn't that stir make, you know, the ecclesial authorities a little bit nervous? It's like, okay, all of a sudden we've got a lot of activity. People are getting upset. All kinds of things are happening. We're just going to put a quelch on this for a little bit and try to figure out what's going on. So we're going to suppress it until we can get a determination of whether it is truly from God or not. Is that, am I making too much of that? Um. It depends. The, the document speaks about a sectarian spirit. So if there is a sectarian spirit forming around the visionary um, or visionaries where it's, we are the elite ones, we are the chosen ones, and there is a resistance um, to authority under holy obedience, and there is a lack of humility, if, that, if that's detected, the church more likely will try to suppress it um, in order to test it or may just suppress it completely and it may not be from God. On the flip side, there may be an uh, apparition that occurs um, at a place that's not yet fully church approved or still being investigated. And there could be some error or misinterpretation that creeps in. And something to keep in mind is just because there's some error, it shouldn't be completely suppressed. And also there could be something that happened early on and that ceased to be like an appearance of our Lord or our lady, they stopped, but there could be an appearance that these apparitions are continuing to go and people are going and they're praying the rosary. They're going to confession. They're going to adoration. They're receiving Holy communion with devotion and state of grace. And God's going to bless that. And sometimes God will use, will utilize those things to do minor miracles, healings, consolations, things like the Eucharistic phenomenon that we saw in the monstrance yesterday, based off the principle of our Lord from the gospel, 
where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Yeah, that's a really important point. It, it, it's, it's one of the things that's helped me to, it, it's been difficult to understand at times why, you know, let's say there's an occurrence that appears to me to be uh, in violation of church teaching or whatever, maybe the church hasn't ruled on it yet. But when my question has always been, well, then why are there so many blessings surrounding it if it feels weird or if there's weird stuff? Well, James 4, 7, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I have a friend who came to Christ at a Grateful Dead concert of all places because interiorly he had a desire for God. He's in a place he shouldn't be that's not healthy, but he had that desire and God met him in that moment and lifted the veil and showed him all the evil around him and he converted so you can you can be but we would never recommend as an example that you know you go to a grateful dead concert to be converted but certainly uh it isn't a valid uh measure in and of itself that people are being converted that would 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 say well this is absolutely true and from god so when we get back from the break we'll continue talking about visions and revelations and apparitions we'll be right back Hi friends, we wanna personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. Welcome back. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke with Divine Intimacy Radio. We're talking about visions and revelations. This is a series that you can find uh, the full the full set of them. Eventually, it'll be at spiritualdirection.com. Before the break, Father, you mentioned something that is commensurate with, uh, well, there are two ideas I want to talk about. One is, when you look at the life of a saint, for instance, what that they are perfect is not what makes them a saint, right? So saints can have flaws. I think I remember St. Francis de Sales had an anger issue, and uh, I could probably spend a few minutes and, and recount different sins that different saints uh, struggled with. So it isn't that they're perfect. The second thing, it, so that goes with this thing that you said, which is that... Um, visions and revelations are not necessarily deemed invalid because the message is imperfectly delivered. I think uh, St. Faustina is in that category. Talk a little bit about that. When we're dealing with visions, revelations, there's a prophetic element that's always involved with it that could apply to the church and the world generally, or can it apply to the individual who's receiving it or other people? And when we deal with prophecy, John of the Cross speaks about this in the Ascent of Mount Carmel, book two. There's always a danger where our own understanding 
of what the prophecy means can get in the way of the actual me intended meaning of the prophetic message itself. And, and that's a big, big danger because sometimes, and we see this in sacred scripture, in the Psalms, and John mentions this in the Ascent of Mount Carmel, um, the Psalms speak about, you know, what the Messiah would do. And Jesus fulfilled the prophecies regarding the Messiah, not only the prophets, but in the Psalms, but he did not always fulfill them in a human literalistic way. And when we focus too much on our own understanding of what God is trying to say, we can miss other meanings. And also what God is trying to say could be conditional. So it could be just a warning um, to us hinging upon our cooperation with grace or not. An example of this can be seen in the life of St. Vincent Ferrer. Who is um, who had the title the Angel of the Apocalypse, and according to accounts, in the um, right around the time of the Great Western Schism, he did not know how to speak French, and he went from Spain to Southern France, and he would preach in the French countryside to tens of thousands of people in tongues, in and the version of tongues that he received was a knowledge of the language of French, which he, which he didn't have. And when he would preach, he would warn them, if you do not repent right now, the Antichrist will come. And as he would preach, there would be healings, um, blind would see, the deaf would hear, and people would repent, and that was averted. So what Vincent Ferrer was giving in that point was a conditional prophecy, and sometimes people may receive things from the Lord in prayer that apply to the larger church that may happen, but may not definitively happen. To John of the Cross's concern, uh, he speaks of the idea that there, you know, let's talk about locutions, which is uh, we hear something from God. We hear a, a voice interiorly or exteriorly. He speaks of the danger so there's the locution and its effect, which are immediate or even precede the experience of the recipient. But the danger is that there are two forces that can distort that message. One is the devil and the second is the person. And of course, if it's the devil, they're going to, just, they're going to instigate the second reason, the person, and they're thinking about it. So the problem comes in where there's a message and then there's an extension of the message in some way or an elaboration of the message or an interpretation of the message, that's when you begin to, that's when things begin to break down. And I think this, this is, so this is why at the beginning of this series, I said, I totally believe in all the charismatic gifts. I, you know, I've, I've had, I've had locutions. I, I believe Stephanie has spoke from the Holy Spirit directly to me in, in, on occasions. And I knew it was from the Holy Spirit because of the power it had whether it was liberating or convicting or whatever. But the general problem I see today, and, and to apply this really practically, particularly in the charismatic movement, of which I am very, to, toward which I'm very friendly, is this excessive confidence and I would say prideful, proud proclamation, the Lord told me, you know, the Holy Spirit said this to me. I just think that 
it's really imprudent and dangerous, even though it's a little bit of a diversion from the topic, to do that. I don't know what. Where do you fall on that? Because I know you know you're a Franciscan grad and and have experienced some of the gifts. So tell us your thoughts. Uh, I'm definitely on the tradismatic side, and I think sometimes when you get something in prayer whether a message, you know, profound consolation, or you have a gift and there's a certain clarity, that clarity must be rooted, tested through humility and also persistence. If you receive something in prayer that's clear and it's persistent over time, then it's more likely that it may be something that the Lord's asking you to do. When you immediately go into the mode my charismatic gifts are telling me right off the bat, that could be lead to a self-reliance where you can confuse your own will with the direct divine will of God. And the evil one can easily manipulate that and cause a lot of damage. And it's a pretty grave thing to say, God told me to tell you or God's and be wrong. I mean, we should have some trepidation with that sort of thing. Uh, for me, I'm as you indicated, I tend to want to be quiet for a while and listen and assess. You know, I think the second set of rules from St. Ignatius are very powerful in this. You know, was was I thinking about anything remotely close to the thing that, you know, occurred to me, right? And if I was, immediately that locution should be suspect as it, as because I'm already thinking about it, right? The The more pure things that come from the Lord regarding all of this, maybe we should do a show on this, but are those things which come out of the blue. So I'm gardening and I'm thinking about tomatoes and I hear you should become a priest, right? <laughs> you know, or if the, I'm not me or, a, you know, just any, a male who's, who's, who, who may not even be discerning. Well, that's way more likely to be from the Lord than I'm thinking about the priesthood I'm considering it. Oh, I should be a priest, you know? Yeah. And besides that, that ship has sailed for you. Well, I was, yeah, <laughs> right. So it'd be contrary to my state, right? So there's no way right. that that would be, right. that would be a lie. And, and that's one of the ways that we can measure these things as well, right? So yeah. whatever we're hearing, seeing, experiencing through prayer or, or out of the blue as a locution, you know, if it's leading us to greater faith, hope, and love, if it's encouraging, if it's uplifting and leads us or brings about profound contrition, right, for our sinful state and, and a desire to repent and return to the church and whatever it is, then we can measure those things and say, okay, th this, this is from the Lord because it's drawing me to him versus something that may you know, help me believe that I'm supposed to be the next, you know, Ezekiel and and run off and stand on a corner uh, on my soapbox and tell everybody to repent. We got a few minutes left. Why don't we cover a few of these things for spiritual directors? So if somebody ever came to them with uh, some kind of a prophetic utterance or they perceive it's a prophetic utterance, what are the what are the guidelines? And these come these come from a great source, which is uh, Antonio Royal Marine. Uh, he's a Dominican um, uh, in the theology of Christian perfection. Is it all in that text? Yes, it is. And this I added as an appendix to visions and revelations because I thought it was that important. In the um, book itself. Yes, in the book, yeah. in the second edition. 
So <clears throat> he states generally, any revelation contrary to faith and morals must be rejected as false. God does not contradict himself. He also states any revelation contrary to the common teaching of theologians or purporting to settle an argument among the schools of theology, which the magisterium has not defined on, should be held as greatly suspect. So there's some issues of the faith that the magisterium has formally taught on. There's other issues, particularly dealing with the eschatology. There's certain general principles that the magisterium has generally taught on, but there are other questions that have not been formally defined. And some schools have agreement, the doctors, uh, the church, the early church fathers, the Dominicans, Franciscans, Jesuits. So if a prophecy tends to side uh, in an area that's still under debate or goes against what's commonly agreed, that is a red flag. And Pius IX speaks about this in Tuas Labenter. Father Chad Rippinger also speaks about this in a work common of teaching of theologians. Third, just because one aspect of the revelation is found to be false does not serve as grounds to reject the entire revelation. The remainder of what is revealed can possibly be authentic. Also, the fact that a given prophecy is fulfilled is not a conclusive argument for the divine origin of revelation. This could have been brought about by a natural cause or as the result of a superior natural knowledge given to the seer. Then revelations concerning curious or useless matters or, or are overly detailed, lengthy, and filled with a plethora of proofs and reasons should be rejected as not of God. Divine revelations are usually clear, brief, and precise. Can so, you restate that? That is so yeah, important. John of the Cross speaks to this Boy, very this is important. Yeah. Can you yeah. restate that again? So revelations concerning curious or useless matters or are overly detailed, lengthy, and filled with a plethora of proofs and reasons should be rejected as not of God. Divine revelations are usually clear, brief, and precise. Clear, brief, and precise. Very good. Uh, and, the, and sixth, then, the sixth point, we only have a, about a minute. Every person who receives a revelation should be examined carefully, especially as to temperament and character. So are they psychologically balanced? Do they have virtue? Um, Let's jump to they, seven, because I think we covered that one. Then... The principal rule of discernment is to judge the revelation by the fruits it produces in the soul of the individual, yet always understanding the revelation is as such a charism and therefore is primarily for the good of others and the church. And moreover, it's always possible for an individual to use the gifts of God for their own spiritual detriment. Okay, great. Well, continue with us in this series. And so until next time. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.